You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident analyst, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, um, very narrowly was not a podcast today. Um, I kind of decided I was going to leave it up to fate. We um, had to get up kind of early today. I'm honestly not even sure what time we're leaving. I might not have time to even finish this. But uh, I got to get up early for my daughter's cross-country race. And uh, I said, I'm not setting an alarm. We'll just leave it up to fate. If I wake up and we can do a podcast, that's fine. If I don't, I won't. Well, I just kept waking up and I was like, fine, I guess we'll do it. And now I'm sitting downstairs and my whole body is just screaming, I'm so tired. Dude, (laughs) don't even start with me, all right? We had every opportunity to sleep until, I don't know what time, six, seven, eight. Who knows what time we're leaving, if we're leaving. I don't know what's happening. I never know. But um, we're up, so... Fate decided you get a podcast today. You're welcome. Because of all the crazy news that's been going on this week, we've hardly talked at all about the Bengals, so today that's what we're doing. Today we're talking uh, seriously about the Bengals and everything that they're about. Tomorrow we talk about why they suck. So today we talk about why they're pretty good. Tomorrow we talk about why they suck. How's that sound for a breakdown? Unless I have another fate day tomorrow, but I can't do a fate day tomorrow. Gotta do, gotta do podcast. Probably just do it tonight. Whatever. Anyways. Well, I guess we'll just launch into it. Um, kind of already talked about this part of it, but the Bengals right now, 3-1. and one. Um, Zach Taylor is there. It's another interesting dynamic I haven't heard anybody bring up. Zach Taylor um, is the head coach. So not only does he come from similar roots, but he actually was uh, hired to the L.A. Rams the same year that Matt LaFleur was. 2017, um, he was with, or 2016, he was with Cincinnati. 2017, um, McVay hired him to be the assistant wide receivers coach, and then 2018, he became the quarterback's coach. And then he goes back to Cincinnati, this time professionally, um, as the head coach there. I wonder if there's any correlation. Maybe that's how Cincinnati kind of got to keep an eye on him. Anyways, obviously an incredibly fast riser. I mean, he was with Miami previously, but to go from Cincinnati from college to assistant wide receiver coach to quarterback coach to head coach, that's a heck of a move. But again, similar roots, similar understanding of concepts, et cetera, et cetera, as Matt LaFleur has. Maybe that works to our advantage. Maybe it works to his advantage. I don't know. But clearly, year three is a, a different year for, um, for the Bengals. For the record, I've kind of, uh, kind of gone back and looked at it. Granted, it's not very typical for them to start three and one, but in the last 10 years or so, it's not that uncommon. 2012, they were three and one. 2014, they were three and one. 2015, they were four and oh. 2018, they were three and one, and right now they're three and one. So um, again, always kind of. I, I feel like the Bengals are always trash, and they always probably start like one and three, maybe two and two, but that clearly isn't the case. And in the last three times, actually, 2014 they were ten and five, 2015 twelve and four, 2018 most recently they ended ten uh, six and ten. So aside from 2015, they generally don't maintain that pace. Again, 10 and 5, 10, 5 and 1 and 6 and 10 is not uh, not all that fantastic. By the way, it also should be noted, and again, we've kind of talked about it, but this is from a different angle. Um, the one team that did beat um, Cincinnati is the Bears. That's the only team that's at 500 right now. 
The Bears are two and two. The Jaguars are zero and four. The Steelers are one and three, and the Vikings are one and three. So this is clearly by far the biggest test that they've had. And 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 again, just keep it in the back of your mind that they actually lost to the Bears somehow. So um, you know, again, we'll we'll talk about the positives and what's working with the Bengals and things that we should be scared of. But the Bears beat the Bengals. That's kind of crazy. But anyways, on that note, they are currently right now ranked 20th on offense in terms of points, 22nd in yards, 8th on defense in terms of points, 7th in terms of yards. And so far, again, I like to do this, but we're only four games in, so it gets to be a little bit difficult looking at uh, what needs to happen for a team to win and lose. It looks like the offense gets to 24 points and they win. Now, again, that's generally speaking, that would denote a team with a very, very good defense because that's not a super high bar. They lost to the Bears, scoring 17 points. They beat the Steelers, scoring 24. Jaguars, scoring 24. Vikings, scoring 27. No team they've played have scored more than 24 points. Now, again, I would be willing to bet that the Packers are going to put that to the test. In other words, if they score 24 points, I'm thinking they lose. I don't know, but I think they lose. Some other correlative things, uh, 250 total yards on offense. When they scored less, they lost. The three times they scored more, they won, or got more, they won. Turnovers are uh, generally the biggest indicator of wins and losses. This one is no uh, no surprise. The one loss they had against the Bears, four turnovers, and they lost by three. So <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy. They only have one other turnover the rest of the year. That was one to Pittsburgh. They still knocked the brakes off them. Although they did win the turnover battle two to one, so they're still uh, plus one or minus one, however you want to say it, against the Steelers. So I guess another one, another way to put it is every game that they won or tied, I guess, they had zero takeaways or giveaways against the Jaguars, they've won the game. The only, again, the only loss was the four turnovers against the Bears and one giveaway, so plus three in their favor. Similarly, in terms of yards, the three losses, 341, 342, and 403 yards, the one loss to the Bears, they only got to 206 yards. So the Bears' defense really put a hurting on um, the Cincinnati Bengals, which caused them to just not be able to do anything. Again, they only scored 17 points in that game. Similarly, the passing yards, um, pretty staggering. 200 yards against the Jaguars, about 300 yards against the Steelers, 336 yards against the Vikings. They only passed for 83 yards against the Bears. Again, that's going to be pretty difficult to replicate what the Bears did, because of our corner situation. But if you think about it, the Bears don't have corners either. Uh, if we look at them overall, um, as of right now, the uh, PFF actually has the Cincinnati Bengals ranked as the fourth best team. Again, this has to do with the opponents that they went up against. But still, you don't usually rank fourth if you're a bad football team. The current rank is the Browns are number one, the Cowboys are number two, the Rams are number three, and the Bengals are number four. The Packers are all the way down at 14th. If we look at Football Outsiders DVOA, uh, they have Cincinnati 9th, and they have the Packers 17th. So Cincinnati a little bit lower, but they also have the Packers lower. In fact, if you look at estimated wins, which, um, I mean, we'll, we'll see, but uh, they have Cincinnati estimated to win 10 games. They have the Packers winning 8 games. Now, to be fair, DV, uh, the Football Outsiders also has, they've got their DVOA thing, um, which is what that rank is, but they also have what they call Dave, which adjusts for the fact that it's really early. And what they do is they use their preseason rankings and mix it with what they're currently seeing. Now, you would say the preseason rankings are useless, so what's the point of that? But I guess the point is, 
um, we're taking known knowledge, probably based on previous years and whatever, and combining it with new knowledge, which is what we've seen so far. Anyways, what they've decided is the best blend of new information and old information is 70% previous knowledge, 30% current knowledge. In other words, it's still way too early, and even uh, football outsiders with their DVOA are kind of saying that we only have about 30% of the information we need to judge the teams that we have. Anyways, I came over to uh, close this tab because I no longer need it, but I wanted to, I guess, highlight a couple things here. Um, Joe Burrow, in particular, is doing a pretty impressive job um, looking at, through four weeks, the entire history of the Cincinnati Bengals, at least 1968. I'm assuming that's their first year, or at least the first year they started recording this. Through four games, this is the highest completion percentage the Bengals have ever had at 72.9%. Despite the fact that the offense is not really the uh, the strong suit, that's still quite impressive. Um, as far as touchdowns, eighth most touchdowns, or actually it's not even true because technically it's uh, tied here, tied for the fourth most touchdowns with nine. And overall, it is the second highest passer rating through four games ever. 2015 was the only time it was higher at 123. Right now, 113.8. So anyways, we'll close the tab now. Before we get started looking at the team, it would be wise to take a look at the uh, injury report one last time just to make sure we don't talk about people that uh, aren't playing or, for that matter, at least have in the back of our mind when I mention somebody on the injury report the fact that they're injured and may not play, and if they do, they're going to be playing hurt. So uh, people that are officially out, Xavier Suofilo, the guard. Suofilo is the right guard, but uh, Jackson Carmen has been taking a lot of the snaps there, so um, we'll get into all that, but um, it's not a good situation either way, but Jackson Carmen is, is real bad. But um, so, so that's going to be relatively significant that Suofilo is out. Doubtful is wide receiver Mike Thomas. Obviously, we know that is not one of their premier players. In terms of targets, Tyler Boyd's number one, Jamar's number two, Higgins is number three, tight end Uzoma is number four, Joe Mixon is number five, Mike Thomas would be the next in line. So um, he's, he's wide receiver four for the team. So Otherwise, we got a couple questionables. Uh, center Trey Hopkins, he is their center, so if he doesn't play... Um, you know, going to have to find somebody else, I guess. Nobody else has taken a single snap at center so far. Uh, guard Deontay Smith, a lot of offensive linemen here. Uh, he's not somebody of, of any interest. The only reason he would be somewhat interesting is because of the injuries he may be needed, but he's he's just a backup. Uh, Joe Mixon is questionable. He has not practiced all week, so um, I don't think we have any information on him as of right now, but uh, we'll try to keep an eye on that. Obviously, that is one of the more significant pieces to this puzzle, whether or not he's going to play. But again, he has not practiced all week. Um, also, we've got defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi. Although he has not graded out very well, that is significant because he is their DT1. He has more snaps at defensive tackle than anybody else, 201. Uh, after that is DJ Reader with 174. So it's quite significant. Again, he hasn't graded out very well, but obviously he's a major piece of what they want to do and they have him on the field a lot. And finally, cornerback uh, Trey Waynes, obviously a guy that we're all very familiar with. Seems like he's been dealing with some stuff for a while because he's only played one game so far. Um, I don't exactly know where he ranks in terms of CB1, 2, 3, whatever, but um, he did not play weeks 1, 2, or 3. 
He played week four against Jacksonville, played 53 snaps. So obviously he was out there all the time. Um, and once again is questionable. It may be sort of just lingering effects of what was hurting him before, and he's probably going to play. I don't know. But again, just something to keep in the back of your mind. Um, as for the Packers, if you haven't seen it yet, Jair Alexander is officially out. Otherwise, oh, Josh, oh, Josh Myers is out. Obviously, that's significant. Otherwise, uh, Elton Jenkins, questionable, should be playing. Dennis Kelly, questionable, still probably not playing either way. Um, everybody else that's on this report looks like they're good to go. Chris Barnes, A.J. Dillon, Jack Heflin, Aaron Jones, Kevin King, Dean Lowry, Isaac Yadam, and Mercedes Lewis. So um, offensive line continuing to get banged up. We lose Josh. We get Elton back. That's obviously a big question. I saw that debate on Twitter yesterday. What is the best offensive line? We'll see if we get to that or not. I don't really know. Um, but it's a question. And I think it, regardless of what we think, no matter what they trot out there, we should have some level of respect or um, trust in what they do, considering what a great job they've done thus far. If I had to guess off the top of my head, Yash doesn't stay out there, but could be wrong. Just a guess. I don't know. It's, I'm not talking preference for me. I'm just trying to guess. Again, remember, his PFF grades are actually quite low, and he was getting beat up on, I think, a lot of the success. Massive amounts of credit for what he was able to do, but I think a lot of the success was help and scheme and things. Um, if the grade is any indication of how he actually performed and his ability to kind of stand tall and just whoop somebody, he was just getting kind of whooped on a lot. So I think we're going to want to try to just massively upgrade that with Elton Jenkins would be my guess. But I don't know. We'll see. Elton has uh, obviously played college center a lot, so he can do it all. He's he can. I'm sure if we played center, he'd be very, very good at it. So it doesn't matter. We'll We'll figure it out. But anyways, why don't we start with the uh, offense for the Cincinnati Bengals, kind of do a quick overview of what we've got going on. I mentioned that they've got several things working quite well in their favor right now. Uh, Joe Burrow is number seven overall at quarterback. Joe Mixon is number five. Jamar Chase is number 19 overall at wide receiver. Boyd is number 18 overall, and Higgins is 28. That would be um, essentially three number ones. Now, not necessarily elite number ones, but if you assume a number one is a top 32 player, they've got three of them. Uh, Uzoma also is 18th, so um, decent tight end there. So the weapons in general, paired with Joe Burrow playing very, very well, borderline top five wide receiver or quarterback right now, it's, it's, uh, it's a heck of a combination. And we've got uh, Kevin King, who's ranked 80th overall, and Eric Stokes, who's ranked 72nd overall at corner to try to mitigate all that. Chandon Sullivan is ranked 97th, so um, kind of like three number twos, I guess. Actually, that's not even true. Three number threes, because it would be 64. We don't have anybody in the top 64, so three number three corners as of right now. Um, again, we could probably cut Stokes a break, because a lot of that, the penalties he got dinged for were not truly penalties. The touchdown he gave up was not his responsibility, but even so, I mean, it's it's he got beat up last week a little bit. And last week did not see um, wide receivers as good or um, quarterbacks as good, despite the hype that the Steelers wide receivers get for some reason. These wide receivers are better. This quarterback is better. Um, the running back is better, despite all the hype that we get from the Steelers running back. This is by far just a much better unit. Uh, Jamar Chase right now is tied for second most touchdowns in the NFL at wide receiver with four. Uh, if you look at yards per reception, Jamar Chase is 7th at 17.5 yards per reception. Tyler Boyd, uh, basically top 10 in yards after the catch per reception. 
Jamar Chase 10th in yards per route run. Tyler Boyd, one of only three wide receivers with at least three um, targets that were contested catches. That is at 100% right now. He's three for three. The only one better is uh, Christian Kirk at four for four. And uh, Jamar Chase is fourth in the NFL in terms of passer rating when targeted at 147.8. Nice little note, Randall Cobb is number one at 154.4. Again, Joe Burrow overall, um, if we look at, well, passing and overall, he's ranked seventh. He is fourth in yards per attempt at 9.2 yards per attempt, tied for sixth um, with nine touchdowns. By the way, just for reference, he's pretty much ahead of Aaron Rodgers in every category. More yards, more touchdowns, higher grades, much higher completion percentage. Uh, Passer rating, Joe Burrow, 113.8. Rodgers right now is 100.8. So, um, I mean, again, it's just for the sake of perspective. If you want to know how good of a job he's doing so far. And yeah, you can take the other teams into account if you want. But I mean, the defenses, they played Pittsburgh's defense, Chicago's defense, Minnesota's defense. I mean, these are not necessarily pathetic defenses that he's been going up against. Corners, maybe, now that I think about it. Jaguars, Steelers, Chicago, and Minnesota. Um, whatever strength they have on defense, corner is really not not it. But again, Packers don't really have good corners right now either with Jair out. Again, I mentioned Joe Mixon is number five overall at running back. Aaron Jones right now is 10th. A.J. Dillon is 12th. So they're in close competition, but Joe is a little bit ahead. In terms of their running grade, um, Joe Mixon is actually number two overall. Uh, A.J. Dillon is seventh, so he's top 10. Uh, Where is Aaron Jones? Is 30th right now. But um, 353 yards, 4.3 yards per carry, two touchdowns. That is the uh, third most yards of anybody. Derrick Henry's number one at over 500 yards. Chubb at 362, Mixon at 353. So it's kind of just a battle for second place there. Uh, Another area he dominates is missed tackles forced. He's tied for third with 15 missed tackles forced. Seventh in carries over 10 yards. That's that's something the Packers have not seen a lot of yet. A lot of big explosive uh, plays. He's got eight. So in four games, it's about two a game of carries over 10 yards. Uh, I'm trying to think who has the most that we actually played so far this year. Uh, Henry, Cook, Chubb, Eckler... Do to do Arizona, Kansas City, Chicago, Baltimore, Denver. Najee Harris is 14th with six, so that would be the next closest. So again, just wanted to look a little bit more in depth at these guys that are doing a very good job to illustrate this is not a walk in the park. Just because it's the Bengals and the Bengals are always trash, we got to readjust our focus. This is a talented quarterback, talented group of wide receivers, talented running back. Now, with that said, again, looking at it from the from Packer fan perspective. Far from perfect. And if the goal is, you know, you don't win unless you're perfect, this team is borderline garbage. And it all starts with that offensive line. As of right now, it looks like from left to right, Jonah Williams, uh, he's been battling some injury issues, but uh, number 11 overall selection. um, He played, I don't think he, I think he was drafted, he was drafted in 2019, was injured all year, didn't play. 2020 gets a 70 overall grade, 2021 70 overall grade. We'll get into statistics in a second, but um, that's that's fine. He's 22nd overall. It's decent, I guess. Then you got Quentin Spain, uh, 30-year-old Quentin Spain. He had one good year in 2016. He's always otherwise been very average to subpar, um, 66 overall grade. 
Then you've got Trey Hopkins, who, again, we're keeping an eye on. He's questionable to play, probably will, but injured. Um, he's another guy that's just been average his whole career, um, 56, 60, 60, 62, 63. And then this year so far, 44. So I don't know if he's just had some lingering issues with injuries or what the deal is, but he's having a terrible start to the year. Then you got Jackson Carmen, who was a second-round pick this year. A lot of guys were excited about him. I shouldn't say a lot, but there were some people that really liked him, wanted the Packers to get him, et cetera, et cetera. 28 overall grade. He's played in week three and four so far. Um, he has been horrifically bad. Uh, 50-ish snaps, uh, like 48 in week three, and then about uh, 60 snaps in week four. And again, 28 overall grade. Um, pass blocking grade is a 53. Run blocking grade is a 29. Obviously, that's going to hurt when you want to lean on your running back a little bit, but that's that's brutally bad. And then another familiar face from the Vikings, um, and there are some ties from the coaching staff as well with the Vikings and the uh, Cincinnati Bengals could be why, but Riley Reef, who's going on 33 years old, um, he's still trying to hang in there. I mean, it's somewhat of a um, Brian Balaga situation. You know, he's kind of grades out in the 70s pretty regularly, but he's at a 65.3 right now, which is kind of average to mediocre. So for across the board, you've got one decent player at left tackle, You've got two kind of mediocre players in left guard and right tackle. And then the real weaknesses here at center and right guard. Um, Hopkins is having a bad year. And Carmen, who is a second-round pick that is filling in for their injured uh, Suofilo at right guard, is just really, really struggling. And as we know, pressure makes everybody bad at football. So the more we can generate taking advantage of this offensive line, the better. Obviously, we got some injury issues and considerations there, which is going to be problematic. Um, but Joe Burrow, which, you know, considering it's nowhere near as bad as Aaron Rodgers, uh, let's see, 38.9 overall grade under pressure. But still, Joe Burrow has a 61.9 overall grade. Um, 12 of 21, 142 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, I mean, that's... That's obviously more the version of Joe Burrow we want to see. And the more pressure we can get on him, the more that that becomes the quarterback that we're playing. From a statistical standpoint, and again, remember, some of these guys have only played a couple of games, so you got to take it on a game-to-game -game basis. But Riley Reef, who has played all four games at right tackle, is leading the team in pressures. He's given up six so far, two sacks, a hit, and three hurries. Uh, Xavier Suofilo, again, who's injured, is, is number two, but he's, he's second, but that, again, doesn't super matter. Center... And remember, centers generally give up the least amount. Tackles give up the most, then guards, then centers in terms of pressures given up. Trey Hopkins, their center, has uh, given up five pressures, two sacks, a hit, and two hurries. After that is Jonah with three, um, Quentin Spain with two, and then Jackson Carmen, who's played two games, has only given up one pressure so far. Again, the vast majority of his problems come in at run blocking, not pass blocking, but he's still subpar as a pass blocker so far. Should also be noted Uzoma, who is uh, one of their top receiving threats, or at least, you know, he's in the mix. Um, actually, their best pass blocker on the team and one of their better run blockers. So Uzoma's a, a very valuable piece for this team. Um, one of the top blockers and an additional receiving threat on top of it, which of course, as you know, running a very similar system as the Packers, if you've got a guy that can block and you can also leak him out once in a while for a couple of receptions, probably a big part of the reason why. I don't think it's because he's the most um, athletic person in the world, and I don't think you need to be. I think when you can prove yourself, similar to Mercedes Lewis, but a younger, probably more athletic version of Mercedes Lewis. 
when you can kind of slip him out once in a while. Nobody's blocking that guy. But anyways, that's it for the offense. Um, again, the, the weak point is the offensive line, and that's exactly what the Packers are going to have to exploit. The, uh, the biggest advantage we're going to have is the, as much as it makes me happy to say, the linebackers and the defensive line against their offensive line and uh, potentially uh, linebacker. Also, safety's quite good. The, the biggest disadvantage is going to be their wide receivers against our corners. But, you know, again, we don't really know what Stokes has to offer. And, um, you know, if his, if his bad game involves a bunch of targets and a handful of receptions, for not a ton of yards, no touchdowns and a pick, I think I'll take that. We'll see how it goes. But again, we've also got Sullivan, who's not been playing at his best, going up against a really good player in Boyd. You've got Stokes going up against a really good player in Higgins. You've got King going up against a really good player in Chase. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be it's gonna be a matchup. But um, the, the one one more note that I wanted to bring up, and and here's there's probably won't happen, but it's gonna be on my wish list of things to do and something to keep an eye on. With uh, not only Zadarius being hurt, but with um, Chauncey Rivers going to IR, it really thins out our edge rushers, which means the ability to move Gary around like we saw, where, for example, you'd have Rivers on the edge and Preston on the edge and Gary in the middle of the defense is probably lessened a little bit. Um, Probably going to be a lot of Smith and Gary, which makes me happy. You know, I mean, they want to rotate these guys off the field to keep them fresh, and that's probably a good thing, but they're probably going to have to stay on the field longer, which is great. Um, the problem is we can't attack the middle of the defense with guys like Gary as much. I wonder if we're going to start to see, and I know the Packers don't seem to like to do this as much as I wish they liked to do this, but the attacking the middle of the defense or the middle of the offensive line with the linebackers, bringing Campbell, possibly bringing Smith if he's playing. If not, bring Oren. He seems to do a good job with that. Bring, you know, whoever. So crazy to look at our linebackers and see Campbell as fourth and Smith at twelve. Usually, there's just a bunch of orange and red at linebacker because they're so bad. We have two nearly top ten linebackers on this defense. It's crazy to me. It's like the defensive line looks fine, the linebackers look fine, the safeties look fine, the corners are not great. This is uh, it's an unusual look for the Packers defense. But anyways, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna take a quick break. Thank you very much to uh, Mr. Brinton for jumping in and supporting on Patreon. I really do appreciate that. Uh, we're three away now from getting back to our goal of 260 patrons. If you wouldn't mind helping me out, that would be fantastic. You can join for as little as $1 per month. Um, I know it seems insignificant, but again, if everybody listening to this decided, you know what, let's give them a buck a month, I'm not going to work on, well, I guess Tuesday because it's Monday is a holiday. But I wouldn't go. I would just say no thank you. And then beg and plead with you, please don't cancel your subscription, please. I'm going to lose everything. But that'll be a problem for the future, hopefully. I don't have to worry about that today because I'm not quitting anything. But think it over. Talk it amongst yourselves. Get together. Have a little meeting. Find a place. I know you guys are all across the country and all across the world, but, I mean, what is a plane ticket? It can't be that much, for crying out loud. Just find a place to meet and uh, come to a consensus on whether you're going to do this, with the answer being yes. Simple. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Alrighty, time to flip over to the defense. Um, as was mentioned, this is technically their biggest strong suit is their defense. This is the thing that's kind of been keeping them in games even more so than their offense, despite the fact that the offense is quite talented. Scary, right? Uh, like most things, we'll kind of start from the inside, work our way out, looking at the defensive tackles. 
Um, again, based on snap counts, Larry Ogunjobi is the top guy right now. Um, he is injured. We'll see what happens with that, but 58 overall grade. Uh, his biggest issue is tackling. He already has five missed tackles on the season, which is obviously quite a bit. Uh, 56 run defense grade, 60 pass rush grade, um, and he has three pressures on 133 attempts. Remember, you're shooting at 133 attempts for at least around 13 pressures. He's at three. So, I mean, that's about as bad as it can possibly get. He's done nothing. After that, you got Mr. DJ Reader. Obviously been around a while, um, mostly a run defender. He's got a 77 overall grade against the run, 74 tackling. Um, 69 pass rush. He's got nine pressures on 100 attempts, so he's just at about 10%. He only has one sack so far on the season, but he's, he's kind of about where you want him to be. After that, you got Josh Tupo. Kind of, again, just across the board, 70 run defense, 70 tackling, 72 pass rush. He's got four pressures on 49 attempts, so I don't know. What was that, 80%? I mean, 8%. Jeez, yikes. 8%. No sacks so far, so he's fine. After that, you got B.J. Hill. is actually their highest-graded run defender, 84 overall. Uh, five pressures on 67 attempts, so they don't really have a lot of dominant defensive tackles as far as pass rush goes, but uh, all hovering in around slightly below the 10% mark. Off the edge, uh, top guy is Mr. Sam Hubbard, 64 overall grade, mostly a run defender type of guy. He's actually grading out really well in coverage, but he obviously doesn't do that very much. But 68 overall run defense, 48.8 tackling. He's got uh, four missed tackles and a 52 pass rush grade, which is not very good. 10 pressures and two sacks on 142 attempts. So he's sitting at 7%, which is quite bad. So um, there's a lot of talk about their edge rushers being real good, but or their defensive line being real good. It's really just Trey Hendrickson, the old saint that's been kind of killing it right now. Sam Hubbard is not very good. The defensive tackles, decent run defenders, mediocre pass rushers. But that does bring us to Trey Hendrickson, the guy that we avoided week one when we played the Saints. I kind of wish he was still a saint at this point, considering we got smoked anyways. Um, But he's been absolutely lighting it up right now. Run defense is kind of terrible. 49 overall run defense grade, 27 tackling grade with four missed tackles and only uh, he has one tackle, one assist, and four missed tackles. It's about as bad as you can get, but an 81 pass rush grade. He has 20 pressures on 139 attempts, which is uh, 14.4%. He's got three sacks so far. So, I mean, it's not, you know, Zedarius 2019 numbers, but those are solid. 14% is, is very high, and all the more reason to make sure we have a really good tackle. He does play on the right side of the defense almost exclusively, which means he will be going up against our left tackle almost exclusively. Again, leads me to believe that our number one priority is making sure that our best offensive lineman, who is a very good left tackle, seemingly, um, from the little bit that we've seen, is probably the guy that we want on the left side of the line. But again, we'll see how it goes. Um, After that, they've got uh, Cam Sample, who's an edge rusher, played 92 snaps so far, which is relatively significant. So a decent, uh, decently high rotation, but a 53.9 overall grade, 60 run defense, 51 pass rush. He's only got three pressures on 72 attempts, so obviously that's quite low. I'm not even going to bother doing the math on that. You can figure that one out. And then uh, after that, they got Wyatt Ray. Wow, that guy, I haven't heard that name in a long time. The Broncos, I think, I don't know, the Cleveland Browns got him. Didn't the Broncos have him for a while? I'm so lost. I must be thinking of somebody. Who am I thinking of? 
somebody out that old Bronco. This is a different player that got drafted in 2020. Anyways, um, it's going to bother me. I got to look it up. Chain Ray? Is that what it is? I guess. Doesn't sound right, but I think that's what we're I think that's what we're looking at. Anyways, Wyatt Ray only 45 attempts, so he'll probably get, you know, 10 snaps or so in this game. Um, 70 overall grade, which is relatively high, but mostly it's his tackling ability. 64 run defense, 67 pass rush. He does have two pressures on 24 attempts, which is again hovering just below 10%. Um, and then Darius Hodge played six snaps, hasn't done anything. So again, we went over the entire defensive line, the guys in the middle, the guys on the outside. They've got several pretty solid run defenders. As far as pass rushers, though, they've, they've got a capable stable of pass rushers, no real dominant pass rushers outside of Trey Hendrickson. Um, the other somewhat unfortunate thing is that Trey did not get to 20 pressures by getting like 15 in one game. It's been five, four, six, and five. He's been incredibly consistent with his pressures in these games five pressures on 46 attempts, four on 28, six on 44, and five on 21. So he's just been consistently going after everybody. Um, Now, to be fair, five pressures against Minnesota. Minnesota, what do we know about their left tackle? We know he's not very good. Chicago's left tackle is not very good. Pittsburgh's left tackle is not very good. Jacksonville's tackles are horrible. Now, that doesn't fully explain everything. I mean, the rest of this defensive line went up against terrible offensive lines and didn't do anything. And we've seen our guys go up against bad offensive lines and not be able to produce. He's still able to do it. But the point is, again, if Elton Jenkins does play there, that's probably going to be the best left tackle he's played all year so far. We'll see how it goes. By the way, the last time uh, last year when he played against Green Bay, um, he had a 57 overall grade. Still got his four pressures, though. Four pressures, zero sacks. All of them were just hurries, so he never actually touched Aaron Rodgers in that game. But um, it was one of his lowest-graded games of the entire year, so hopefully we can replicate that again. Um, Looking at their linebackers, number one is Mr. Logan Wilson. Um, Somewhat surprising. Is this his second year? Yeah, second year. So he's taken kind of a big leap, Logan Wilson has. His rookie year, he had a 54 overall grade, um, only played 300-some-odd snaps. So far through four weeks, he's already played 257, has a 76 overall grade. Um, run defense 67, pass rush 63, but he doesn't do it very often. 85 overall tackling grade and a 77 overall coverage grade. That's been kind of his biggest asset so far, which is a little surprising. Oh, and I know why. He has three interceptions on the season. I was going to say these stats aren't that great. 18 targets, 15 receptions for 114 yards is kind of high. Um, but zero touchdowns and three interceptions. Two of them came against Pittsburgh, which, I mean, come on, big Ben Roethlisberger. He also picked off, I'm guessing, Andy Dalton in week two. May have been fields. I don't really know what was going on in that game. But suffice it to say, probably slightly inflated coverage grade. But still, that is their number one guy, solid tackler, et cetera, et cetera. He has played 257 snaps. The next highest is Jermaine Pratt, another kind of young guy, I think. 156, so a little more than half the amount of snaps. Jermaine Pratt is in his third year. Um, he is a little bit better, but he's still at a 66 overall. Very inconsistent. His four games have been 75, 46, 73, and 60. So good game, bad game, good game, so-so game. If that continues, it'll be a good game, but we'll see how it goes. I think Jermaine Pratt I had a really high grade on. Now that now I remember how I know his name. I think. I don't know. In my grading system, which is just like a formula. It wasn't like watching the guy or anything. But uh, 17 tackles, 3 missed tackles, 11% missed tackle rate. Probably a little higher than you'd like. Uh, seven targets, five receptions, only 13 yards, but uh, he's given up one touchdown so far. So 
Again, he's just kind of he's just kind of so-so. After that is Akeem Davis-Gaither, another really young guy. They they really attacked linebackers recently. I know that this is a young guy. So yeah, he's also in his second year. Also taking a bit of a, a leap. He was a 40 overall grade in 2020, a 65 so far this year. He's actually had three of his four games have been quite solid. 75, 76, 51, and 69. So not bad. More of a coverage guy than a uh, run defending guy, which is I think what they want from him. 6'2", 200 pounds. His job is to just kind of fly around the field, while Logan Wilson is more of the uh, the run defending tackling type. And so far, you know, that is his highest grade. He's doing a pretty good job of that. Eight receptions on 12 targets, 45 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a pass breakup. So outside of Jordan Evans, that's pretty much the crew right there. And Marcus Bailey's played a little bit, but that's that's kind of your three. Again, Logan Wilson is your primary guy. Um, he's sort of their Devondre Campbell. Akeem Davis-Gaither is like strictly their coverage guy. Even if you look at snaps, they put him out there in passing situations. 88 times he's been on the field, 74 times he's been in coverage. So they don't even put him out there when there's a possibility of a run. Uh, looking at their corners, Eli Apple has been out there the most. Again, injuries kind of play a part in terms of who their number one, number two, number three, et cetera, are. But um, Eli Apple has been the top guy. He's been around a lot of different teams. He's been terrible everywhere he's gone. Um, he's their worst graded corner on the entire team, which is always nice to see when their top corner is the lowest graded. But uh, 43 overall grade, 50 run defense, 34 tackling grade, 42 is his coverage grade. He's been uh, targeted 31 times so far, 20 receptions for 174 yards and a touchdown. He does have three pass breakups. Actually, uh, well, well, we'll we'll get over to the. Let's look at the other guys first before we look at the rest of the league because it's not great. Uh, Mike Hilton, he is their uh, slot corner, uh, 59.6 overall grade, and the only reason it's that high is because he has a 74 run defense grade and an 81, 82 essentially pass rush grade. Um, 16 times they've brought him on a blitz, which is four a game, which is kind of a lot, something to keep an eye on. But more importantly. Uh, Mr. Mike Hilton has a 45 tackling grade and a 54.7 run defense grade or uh, coverage grade. 23 targets, 20 receptions, which is incredibly high. Um, 189 yards he's given up, a touchdown, and no interceptions or pass breakups. 115 pass rating when targeted. That's quite terrible. If you look at overall in terms of uh, total receptions given up. Uh, Mike Hilton and Eli Apple are tied for eighth most in the NFL with uh, 20 receptions. Eli Apple is fifth most targets in the NFL. So these guys are just getting assaulted. After that, it's a question of who's going to be playing at that other cornerback spot. Um, Again, Trey Waynes is probably going to be that guy if he's healthy. He's got a 55 overall grade. I think I mentioned that 55.4 coverage. Um... Only been two targets because, again, he's really only played one game. But two targets, two receptions, 62 yards, which is massive, 31 yards per reception right now. Um, If he does not play, Chidobe Awuzie is uh, next in line. 65 overall grade, 64 coverage grade, um, 19 targets, 10 receptions, 83 yards, and a touchdown. He does have two pass breakups. So the corners, bottom line, not good, regardless of who plays. Um, and then finally, at safety, Von Bell is their top guy there. He's played the most snaps of anybody on the team. Decent football player, 72 overall, 71 run defense, 70 tackling, 65 pass rush, 71 coverage. Kind of reminds me of uh, Adrian Amos. Just across the board, good at everything. Uh, he's been brought on six blitzes three times. He got uh, pressures. 
He's got 17 tackles, five assists, only two missed tackles so far, six stops. Um, has been targeted 14 times, 11 of them caught for 120 yards. Hasn't given up any touchdowns, but um, not the greatest stats in the world, but not the worst. And then uh, the guy next to him is Jesse Bates. Now, Jesse Bates has been considered a premier guy, but he's kind of inconsistent. So his rookie year, he had an 80 overall grade, which is incredible, right? He was a second round pick out of Wake Forest. 2019 completely falls off a cliff. 2020, I think he was the number one safety in football with a 90 overall grade. And then so far this year, 75.6. So he's, he's a talented guy. There's no question about it. Um, but somewhat, I guess, inconsistent, I guess, would be his issue. Even even so far this year, 70 week one, 55 week two against Chicago, and then against Pittsburgh, 82 overall. So again, bouncing all over the place. Um, his statistics so far doesn't blitz very often, but he does have one pressure on three attempts. Tackles, 17. Misses, only one. Um, and then targets and receptions, he's only been targeted eight times, but six of those were caught for 62 yards, no touchdowns, interceptions, or pass breakups. So overall summary, the defensive line, decent, mostly Trey is the guy you got to be concerned about. Linebackers are fine. They're, they've got kind of their, um, how would you say it, sort of modular, if that makes sense. You've got certain guys that do certain jobs, and they do those certain jobs kind of well. Corners are terrible. The safeties are pretty good. It's very similar to the guys that we have. In fact, Jesse Bates is Darnell Savage. Von Bell is is, uh, is Adrian Amos. I would say that that's a pretty close comparison to what they have. In terms of how to attack it, I mean, you know, there really isn't anything that I would say that we can't do. Um, as good as Hendrickson is, you could still argue this is one of the worst defensive lines we've played. And it's not a bad defensive line. It's just that the Saints... I mean, the Saints didn't have defensive tackles. That's true. But they had better linebackers and much better guys on the edge. Um, the Lions, I guess, would probably be worse, but it's actually not that different because um, nobody respects Trey Flowers anymore. But the ability of the Packers to move the ball on the ground the last two weeks against the Steelers and against the 49ers and those defensive lines, if you can do it there, you need to be able to do it here. And I suspect that they're going to be able to. But again, even if that's not the case... The Packers have shown a willingness and ability to attack weak corners. And again, we're up against a team with weak corners and, and the guys need to step up, whether that's the number one ranked wide receiver in Devontae Adams, the number 11 ranked slot corner or number, number 11 length, length, I can't talk, number 11 ranked wide receiver, Randall Cobb, trying to like blast out this exciting thing about Randall Cobb and I'm stumbling over my tongue like a cow. Point is, got to be able to get it done. Um, again, as far as how the offensive line goes, I don't know. I, I do suspect that Elton is going to play left tackle. Um, they do like Yash, though. And Yash was able to hold his own. Maybe that is the, the route that they choose to go. I mean, there's, there's, there's I don't want to say infinite combinations because there isn't, but there's so many to go through. I'd rather not even try right now. But uh, I do think Lucas Patrick at center is, is a decent option. He's got a 74 overall grade so far. I mean, he's doing his, his he's doing fine. Uh, we know he's a semi-reliable guy. I don't, I don't hate it. I don't know. Whatever it is, that'll be what it is, and we'll see how it goes. But um, at the end of the day, I, I just, I, I think it's, it's going to be a tough game. There's, there's da- little doubt in my mind. There is that slight piece that's like maybe they come out and just thrash them, which could be, I mean, they could do that against anybody, but um, it's it's very likely going to be a, a, a tough game. The, the point is, though, they have the talent 
to where if they can come out and just play at their best, they should win this game. Very little doubt in my mind. The, the Bengals have talent, but this defense is, you know, one good pass rusher, decent linebacker safeties, whatever. They're not on the level of, of this group. Wide receivers, running backs, and, and, and quarterback, and the amount of things that they can do and, and um, the ways in which they can do it. And, and the teams, they've, the defenses in particular, they've already gone up against. This is, this is a step down. And um, they've also taken on this mentality of being mentally strong and also trying to break down other teams mentally. I mean, you look at the Steelers. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a team so disgruntled. I mean, granted, they came into the game disgruntled, but usually it's the Packers that are throwing tablets and are pouting on the sideline because, you know, they didn't convert a first down or something. The Steelers were broken. I mean, they, they just broke the Steelers' will. And I think if they can keep that mentality, they can kind of take this team that's kind of probably skeptical because they know that they're the Bengals, but also thinking, hey, you know, we're 3-1, and one, maybe we're legit. This is an area where let's let's elect to receive and let's smash it down their throat and say, this isn't going to be one of those games, okay? I'm proud of you. You've never given up 24 to any other team. You will be giving up 24 to us. Best of luck trying to play catch up. That's my thought. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. I was going to go over special teams, but I'm, I'm not going to go over special teams. Packers are still three-point favorites. Hopefully that holds true. But uh, tomorrow, again, the goal is to just talk about why the Packers are a million times better than the Bengals. Bengals suck. And then we'll go over a couple of these other games, and uh, that'll be that. Also, keep an eye out for live streams. We'll try to do, in most of these games, a uh, pre-game stream and a post-game stream. So uh, you can check out the Packernet Podcast Facebook page is one place that I do that. Um, YouTube is Packernet Podcast. I'm thinking of also streaming to Twitch just because that's really just a flip of a switch and I can do that. So if you're on there, I'll let you know tomorrow on the stream where you can find that, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. Somebody's trying to talk me into it. I'm not sold on Twitch even a little bit, but um, if it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt. We'll see how it goes. You folks have yourselves a great Saturday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.